Hey folks, this is Abel James, and thanks so much for joining us on Fat Burning Man, where we talk about real food and real results. Today, we're here with Chelsea Luger, a fellow Dartmouth alum who grew up on a reservation in North Dakota. She's co-creator and editor of Well for Culture, which shares holistic health advice drawn from North American indigenous wisdom and tradition. Before we get to the show, I'd like to address an unfortunate fact. By a large majority, most people gain weight during the holidays. So the question I get most this time of year is, how do I enjoy my holiday feasts and treats without packing on the pounds? Because if you wanna be realistic about it, everyone is going to have a treat every once in a while. And so I think the way that you can succeed through the holidays, the way that I do with my wife and family, is we try to get one step ahead of the cravings by making nutrient-dense, clean foods that taste awesome, that are a replacement for the sugary, nasty things that you'll see this time of year at restaurants and uh, grocery stores alike. So to help you stay lean and mean and feast well through the holidays, we've slashed the price on our best-selling e-cookbook, The Fat-Burning Chef. You'll get over 200 quick and easy recipes like blueberry cheesecake, smoked pork shoulder drizzled in homemade barbecue sauce, and much more. You can make these quick and easy meals in 20 minutes or less. Everything is gluten-free, wild approved, and no counting needed. It's 100% real food. Laura says, just made Fat-Burning Man's BLT salad, and I think I'm in love. Vicky says, the bacon-wrapped meatballs were delicious baked on a bed of cabbage. The whole family loved them. Elizabeth says, my four-year-old and I had fun making the zucchini meat boats with the sweet potato medallions. Very good. And when you get Fat-Burning Chef soon, you'll even get our Wild Holiday Feast cookbook for free. All you have to do to get your discount and bonuses is go to fatburningchef.com. From any device... Just type it into the URL bar. Once again, just type in fatburningchef.com to get our Wild Feast ebook for free during the holidays. So it's a limited time. You have to grab it soon. All right, on to the show with Chelsea. You're about to learn how to enhance your spiritual connection with land and food, how to use rocks for your workout, a playful use of buffalo scrotums, and much more. Let's go hang out with Chelsea. All right, folks, Chelsea Luger is a holistic wellness advocate, trainer, and journalist. She's also the co-creator of Well for Culture, which provides holistic health advice drawn from North American indigenous tradition. Two key concepts promoted by Well for Culture are ancestral eating and earth gym. Chelsea is also a 2010 graduate of Dartmouth College, and I actually found her in the alumni magazine. Go Big Green! Chelsea, thank you so very much for coming on the show. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Of course. So... What drove you to pursue health and wellness as a calling? Why are you dedicating your life to it? Well, where I grew up on a reservation in North Dakota, I'm Ojibwe and Lakota, by the way, from the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa and the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe. Very proud of that. And unfortunately, where I grew up, we have a lot of strength and a lot of resilience because of everything that indigenous people have been through. But we also are plagued by a very high rate of health problems. Now, it wasn't until I would say that I was in college and shortly thereafter that I started to draw the connections between my indigenous culture and between the importance of health and wellness. And where I started to see that so much of the teachings that come from my indigenous culture and traditions have so much applicability in our modern world. Yeah. So, yeah, so seeing all of the health issues that I guess are so prevalent and so present in reservation communities amongst all indigenous people, but also amongst mainstream Americans, sort of drove me to, to get really passionate about 
fixing my own health and wellness and then of course about spreading that information to whoever is interested in hearing it. Yeah, and it's it's really pernicious, isn't it? The way that the, the big food industry has infiltrated uh, a lot of different cultures and communities that, that previous to that were really living harmoniously with nature, with the land. Uh, they had a spiritual connection with the food. And uh, Allison and I, my, my wife and I, when we were traveling around for the past two years, we went to a lot of places that were to some degree uh, not untouched but less touched by big food and industry than certainly we are in the Western world. And that was one of the things we noticed is that when you're broadsided by it as a community and all of a sudden all you've got is is spam and corn dogs and Skittles and M&Ms and you right. know, uh, commercialized beer on top of that, commercialized tobacco, yeah. uh, when you're broadsided by that, it, it, it can really lead to some deterioration of, of not only the people's health, but also the culture. So what are some of the, the things that you've seen and, and how are you helping to remedy that? Well, what we've seen is that our really healthy ancestral health is so recent. I mean, we're talking about in indigenous communities as recent as 150 or 200 years ago, where our people were largely living off of traditional foods and they were in their traditional lifestyles in their traditional economies. Like for example, where I'm from in the plains, we had the buffalo hunting economy and you know, we were a very active people, a very healthy people, but it's because of, as you said, the introduction of all of these uh, foods from the corporations and, uh, even for native people, the introduction of a farming lifestyle has, has been damaging to our health. Not only that, but the introduction of alcohol. So mm -hmm. alcohol and, and drugs, of course, have caused huge problems in Native American communities. And, and that's what we're trying to remedy. Yeah. How do you, uh, man, it just seems like the, the power of addictive substances, and I'm including, you know, alcohol, tobacco, and food in kind of the same category here because they're all hyper-processed and, and nothing like what... Uh, what you would have had in, in nature anyway. Right. Are there totally. any defenses against that? What's How can you help people, uh, you know, survive the onslaught of all of that terrible stuff? Right. So one thing that we're doing is we're promoting the idea that wellness is our culture, right? Um, so to give you a little bit of background on, on what Welfare Culture is, my partner, Thosh, and I'm uh, the co-founder of Welfare Culture. We sort of... We, we met over Instagram, which is so interesting because a wow. lot of, I feel like, health and wellness people make their connections over Instagram. But we're, we're both indigenous. He's from a tribe here in Arizona, and I'm from a tribe in, in North Dakota. And, you know, we, we connected over this idea that, that health and wellness really is so prevalent in our culture for the, the large... Um, for most of history, health and wellness has been the center of our cultures, our traditional foods, our, our dances, our, our traditional games. Right. And so we, we sort of met and, and thought, okay, we need to put a name to this contemporary indigenous wellness movement. And I started asking questions. Okay, well, what's the purpose of being well? And, you know, he started rattling off answers. Well, it's about being well for our families. It's about being well for our communities so that we can take a stand against all of these, you know, stereotypes and all of these um, horrible things that continue to, to plague Native American people. And he said, it's about being well for ourselves. Oh, it's about being well for our culture. So I think that that's a concept that honestly, anybody from any culture can utilize. Yeah. You know, wellness isn't just about, um, looking good or the aesthetics of it wellness is about 
being well so that you can take care of those around you. Yeah. And that happens to be a message that in modern times we're starting to realize is resonating really well with Native people. Um, it's been very difficult to convince Native people to work out because it's going to make them look better. We don't have this like largely superficial um, sort of Not as much Instagram. Culture. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seriously. So... <laughs> So, you know, it's it, it's just a message that has really started to resonate with, with our people, and we think it's a message that can resonate with anybody. Yeah, I love that because uh, whether I like it or not, and I, if I'm going to be totally honest, I kind of do like it, this, um, what we talk about on this show, especially alternative health, it's called alternative health. It's like counterculture, right? There's yeah. conventional Western medicine. That screwed me over big time. That's one of the big big reasons I started this show up to talk about different sure. ways of, of going about this and in fact reclaiming our, our history and connection yeah. with with plants with food with the land and all mm -hmm. of that and it was something you know <laughs> my background is that when I was an infant and I've told this story uh, a couple times here on this show but when I was an infant I got really really sick and I had a temperature of 106 degrees that we just couldn't shake and Western medicine didn't help and my mom at the time was was a nurse uh, she eventually went on to be a holistic nurse practitioner, but most of it was because she saw how little help I was getting from conventional medicine. And then, sure. you know, she she took her career to uh, the holistic realm, became an herbalist. And for, you know, the my entire life as I was being raised, it was on tinctures and bombs from wild herbs and infusions from the backyard and e eating a lot of um, wild plants and, and things like that. And at the time, it was just... You know, my mom and the way that I was raised, my crazy hippy dippy mom. I love you, mom, if, if you're listening. But it was something that I kind of distanced myself from as I grew up. After I graduated from Dartmouth, wanted to get rid of my loans, took that big fancy job, got that big fancy insurance, and then was was led right down the road where I was on a half dozen different prescription medications in six months uh, and, and sentenced to a, a life of being on those drugs or being, you know, kind of hazy gray area sick, but well... And I think um, one of the best things that's happening recently is you're starting to see the cool factor now. And now it's cool to like get into holistic alternative health and whatever. But the good news is that we're still we've still got that kind of like counterculture thing. And I think that can be a great way to ignite passion in people who have been really screwed over by the system, whether it's big food or conventional medicine. Uh, a lot of people are starting to get uh, get the message that being healthy is not only our right, but our responsibility, not just for ourselves, but the culture at large. If we want to survive as a species, we've got to get a handle on this now. Yeah, absolutely. We have to reignite our connection with our bodies, with the earth, with with those around us. It's it's so important and our health is relevant to anything that we do. You find in, in the Western world, everything is compartmentalized. Yeah right? You have your career here, you have your health here, you have your family here, you have your hobbies over here. Well, in the indigenous world, one thing that's really beautiful about our cultures, and of course, there, you know, indigenous culture is diverse. You know, there are sure. over 566 tribes in the United States alone. Some people don't realize that. And then, of course, we have indigenous people globally. But anyway, one of the commonalities between many indigenous cultures is that we have this really holistic understanding of the earth and of our place in it and of our lives. And our people have always had this really holistic understanding of health and wellness. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that came to mind as you were telling me that story is that 
we have a couple of phrases, again, that, that permeate a lot of indigenous cultures. And one of those phrases is that food is medicine. Mm -hmm. And another one is that water is life. In Lakota, we say mini wichoni, water is life. And if you think about it, a lot of the modern health movements that are sort of considered alternative medicine are acknowledging both of those things. Right. We're understanding that food is our most important preventative medicine. We're understanding that we need water and we need to respect our water and we need to consume a good amount of our water, mm -hmm. clean water in order to survive and thrive. And again, those are one of those things that indigenous people have always known and have always practiced. And it's really interesting to see bigger health movements sort of picking up on that now. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next few years because it'll be hard for counterculture to go mainstream. Maybe, maybe not. Hopefully, with people right. like you getting the message out there, it won't be. And, and, we can, we can, <laughs> and yourself. <laughs> we can actually help people because, uh, you know, traditional media is something we don't need to get into right now. But anyway, let's let's move on to movement uh, because I saw something, and I have to bring this up because I was uh, on your website, which is great, by the way, um, and I watched one of the videos, and there was a game called Double Ball, which looked yeah. essentially like throwing buffalo scrotums at each other on, onto yep. a stick, which, which sounds like the best game ever. So tell yeah. us about that. It's so fun. Fun fact, we were just playing that game at the Nike N7 Summit at Nike World Headquarters wow. this weekend. That's so, awesome. Yeah, you go to Nike World Headquarters, you might just see Play some, some Double Ball, yeah. Yeah, some Double Ball getting, uh, getting played. <laughs> So double ball is one of our traditional games. This is another uh, component of the welfare culture movement is, is re, um, reintroducing and, and making these traditional games that have sort of been lost from our culture relevant again. Yeah. So double ball comes from Cree territory. There's an elder that works with another organization that we work with a lot called the Native Wellness Institute. And his name is Charlie Tailfeathers. And he grew up playing that game in Cree territory in Canada. And so he teaches that game now to indigenous youth. And it's, it is a game that, that started with the buffalo hunting days. So of course we used to use every part of the buffalo. We still do when we harvest a buffalo. We have great respect for the animal. So we use it in so many different ways to clothe us, to feed us, to take care of us really. And one of the ways that we take care of ourselves is by playing games and being active. And so, yeah, they would use the buffalo scrotum as sort of the game piece, the ball. And then you have these sticks and you toss it around and it almost looks like lacrosse. Yeah. But it's so fun and so cool to see native kids today playing that game and picking up on that game because they just like pick up on it immediately. They love it. You can just see that it's like something that they've been missing. It's, yeah. And we have so many of those things that we've been like missing from our culture because it was stolen away from us or taken away from us. Sure. So we're bringing those things back. And, and traditional games are just one of those things. Foods, traditional foods are not another one of those things. Mm -hmm. And it's so fun and it's so exciting to like see this all kind of uh, getting really big again. Yeah. What, what about the foods? Like are there foods in particular that, that stand out to you? Oh, yeah. So again, I said I'm Anishinaabe or Ojibwe, some people call it, or you might have heard the word Chippewa. That's, that's from my mom's side of my culture. And, and we are a people that have always eaten wild rice. So have you ever had Ojibwe wild rice in particular? I, I've had wild rice, but yeah. I'm not sure if I've had that kind of particular. Okay, cool. So it is a little bit different, and I, I highly recommend looking into it. Um, there's a tribe called red lake that sells it and there's a tribe called white earth that sells it online and they harvest it traditionally from their canoes 
And so there's like absolutely no modern technology involved in the harvesting or growing of this rice. It's purely organic and it's a really healthy form of a carbohydrate. So that's, you know, one of my favorite traditional indigenous foods. And of course I'm Lakota also, and we're a buffalo hunting culture. So anytime I can get my hands on some good bison meat, loving it. Um, but again, a lean, you know, quality protein, quality source of animal fat. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what we're all about. Um, there's literally hundreds thousands of indigenous foods that not only were at one time very prevalent, but that our people have managed to hang on to and continue to eat. The difference is back in the day, of course, this were the only things that we ate. Yeah. Now our people commonly eat traditional foods. There are some families who, who've never lost that. But in many cases, we eat our traditional foods like on special occasions. Yeah. Um, but there are so many of them. And, um, you know, I remember once, and it's very empowering to sort of be learning about this and and start promoting folks to, to start incorporating these into their daily lives again. I remember once as a kid, somebody was like making fun of me and they were like, oh, um, why don't we open up a Native American restaurant? What would we have there? You know, and I honestly couldn't answer them hmm. because I didn't really know. I yeah. didn't realize that we have we actually do have have really diverse diets and all these wonderful, amazing foods. So it's it's so fun now to to, to be understanding that again. Very cool. Now, uh, one of the most compelling things I think that can empower us humans is is looking back at our past or even seeing you know indigenous cultures today and the people in them, especially you know people in their eighties, in in their nineties, just running thirty miles a day like it's no work at all like it's fun yeah. and doing these incredible things with with their uh with their fitness and their bodies well into uh the the later years of their life but also doing some truly incredible things while they're young you know like hunting buffalo on foot or what mm -hmm. have you are there any particular instances uh, that you've seen that that really are are compelling as it relates to what we can do as humans physically mm-hmm you know, again, this is part of the issue is that while our people have been super, super healthy and fit for the majority of our history, since time immemorial, as we say, mm -hmm. it really is the past 200 years that we've seen a huge decline and deterioration in our, in our health as a people. So I do hear a lot of stories about these just like super athletes that were not only around but they were common it's like every man and woman in in traditional you know native culture has has had these like extreme athletic abilities and just like the ability to survive with earth and with nature so for example in in where i come from in lakota culture every summer the teenage boys would not every summer but they would do it like at least once in their teenage years they would just be sent off on a journey. They're like, okay, it's summertime. You know, we're not as busy right now. You guys have a little bit of free time. Go adventure. And they, one of the one of the boys was recorded as running as far as Mexico because he came back. Yeah, because he came back and he what he he described a man dog, but in reality, what he saw was of course a monkey. Huh. And so we know now that that he ran as far as Mexico, and wow. this is in like the 1800s. Like it's sure. not that long ago, yeah. you know. So this <laughs> kind of thing is common, very common. Yeah. So we want to get back to that, you know. That's that, that's what we're trying to get back to. We do have a lot of you know young Native American athletes who are super fit and doing really awesome in sports. Yeah. But um, but some some of those other 
um, you know, stories that I've heard more so from like my grandparents' generation and earlier. We're not seeing those today, but okay. we believe it's going to come back. Yeah, and and how do you bring it back? Because there are certain people, and this is true whether you're looking at indigenous cultures or or outside of that as well. That it seems like there are some people who've just dedicated their lives to being fit and healthy and well. Um, but maybe it wasn't always that way because if you don't dedicate your life to that, then you know what happens. Uh, in a lot of cases, people get get really sick really really fast, at least when you're looking at the span of their lifetime. So how do you help people make that shift from being in a place of, of sickness and ill health to really embracing this idea that, that mm-hmm. fitness is part of our heritage, that eating mm-hmm. ancestral foods and eating well and nourishing our bodies is part of our heritage as well? Mm-hmm. Well, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's about um, encouraging folks to draw that connection and to empower themselves through the idea that they can heal themselves from within. They can use that food as medicine. They can reconnect to the earth, utilize the earth gym. This is something, again, that indigenous people have always known, that scientists, Western scientists today are figuring out and that anybody can do. It's applicable to all of us. And making health and wellness a part of our culture is is so important. And that's why we should all be well for culture, like we say. Yeah. And the uh, so I watched another video that, that you guys had about Earth Gym specifically, and I loved it. It was a workout yeah. with, with rocks and just with body yeah. weight. And it reminded me, I was uh, down in Peru not so long ago, and it was almost like the exact same workout that I was doing. You just kind of, you look around, and it's like, oh, there's a big heavy rock. I'm going to like do some squats with that, some presses. And I think a lot of people really get tripped up. They're just like, I have to be in a gym. I must be in a gym to work out. I need a trainer Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know. Fill in, fill in the blank there when in fact what we really need to do is is go outside take a breath of fresh air get a little bit of sun and then look for something to play with look for a rock to pick up or you know a buffalo scrotum to throw around on the stick or whatever yeah. just have some fun so what, what are the things that you're teaching people to do as it relates to exercise because i you know your the way that that you folks have been describing on your website physical activity really resonates with me yeah, absolutely. So the Earth Gym is is such a fun concept. And again, it's kind of like, duh, you know, this is right in front of me. And I just like didn't realize it all along. So I used to totally ascribe to the I need a gym to work out thing. I was living in New York City for a while when I was going to Columbia. And I was um, I was working part time as a trainer at Equinox, which is a really beautiful oh, sure. yeah. class gym. And yeah, I used to feel like, man, if I weren't working here, I would need to be. I spent hundreds of dollars trying out different fitness studios and different gyms. And, you know, it's like, why wasn't I just utilizing Central Park more often? You know, it's like we all have this some type of an outdoor space around us and uh, getting out there and just embracing the challenges of the elements and the land as opposed to looking at it as a hindrance right so we walk into a gym and it's this like really structured corporate like everything fits into a box everything's in its own category you you know the cardio section here and and the weights over here and again indigenous people are really good at decompartmentalizing things or never putting things into a box in the first place. And so we we use that concept with the Earth Gym too. It's like you embrace the challenges of the elements. It's raining. Okay, that's going to make me maybe slip around a little bit and have to work on, you know, my my motor skills. Um, It's it's cold. It's going to add, you know, a challenge to breathing and to to sort of, you know, getting it done and being out there. It's too hot. Well, I'm going to be sweating a little bit more. You know, the rock that you're picking up to squat, it doesn't say how much it weighs Mm -hmm. and it's not going to have this like pretty, you know, smooth handle like a kettlebell. 
but it's it's a little bit of weight and it'll get the job done, right? So And you'll work a lot harder not to drop it. <laughs> you have to work a lot harder. You gotta like toughen up your hands a little bit. And that's yeah. so fun, like once you learn to embrace it. Same thing for just like hiking, taking a walk for those of us who aren't quite at like the elite fitness levels yet. You know, Earth Gym is for everybody. You know, you can do it at any level of physical activity. And that's one of the great things about it. Children can do it. Old people can do it. Anybody can do it. And and it's really a great stress reliever. And again, it's a concept that we've always had. And we're just trying to bring that back. Beautiful. Um, yep. Something that I would point out that yep. is, you know, something that's important to us when we go out and we work out on the land is that, a, you know, this is maybe a little bit different from, from what other folks do, but it's a, a part of our culture is to really show respect and to, and to honor, it's a part of a lot of people's culture, but particularly something that's reinforced in our culture is to show respect for the land wherever you are. So sometimes we'll take like a piece of tobacco or we have a lot of traditional medicines like tobacco, sweetgrass, sage, all of these things. Um, we'll, we'll take a piece of it. We'll, we'll make an offering and literally just say, you know, thank you for letting me be here. You know, thank you for this beautiful day, simple words, mm -hmm. and just, um, you know, spiritually connecting yourself to the land where you're at and, you know, when you see a rock and you pick it up, understanding that that rock is something that should be respected. And so you put it back where you found it. You don't throw it around. Just like when you go to a gym, you don't like, you, you, it's like common courtesy, like you put the weights back on the rack, that mm -hmm. kind of a thing. So utilizing that same mentality when you go, if not, if not even more of an, an air of respect when you go out and work on a mountain or something like that. Right. And, and that applies to food as well, right? It's, it's quite different, you know, like choking down a greasy burrito in the front seat of your car versus mm -hmm. having a spiritual connection with your food. So what, what can people who are listening do to kind of get a little bit closer to that connection that, that so many of us really need? Yeah. Oh, well, the main part for sure would be just always giving thanks, offering thanks. And I know that, you know, some people are in the habit of doing that no matter what culture you come from. But it's really important, I think, to to always feel super grateful for the food that's in front of you. And one of these ways that we naturally become more grateful for it is by harvesting it or growing it ourselves or, you know, acknowledging at the very least the work that goes into harvesting and growing food or hunting food or fishing or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. um, any of those practices, and this is something that I'm actually working on myself. I'm not going to sure. lie. Like I don't hunt, I don't fish. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my family has gardens, but I don't personally have one. These are things that I'm trying to also, you know, reconnect with because I understand how important and how significant that always has been in my culture. I'm recognizing that it's a part of my culture that I'm missing and you know trying to bring that back because i really do think it's important that we all appreciate our food as much as possible and then we're so much more likely to choose the things that are healthier for us and we're so much more likely to appreciate these healthy foods and rather than saying oh this doesn't like super stimulate my taste buds right away you know we can at least appreciate that it's it's healthy and it's whole and it's it's making us who we are yeah, absolutely. Now, it's mm -hmm. it's really interesting, too, when you start to combine uh, new technologies with this old way of thinking, um, because it, it kind of comes beautifully together. And one example of that, so uh, 
my my wife actually is from Arizona as well, and she's got a little bit of Cree in her. And even I'm pretty much the whitest dude out there. And according to genetic testing, I've even got a little bit of indigenous native mojo going on in there too. And I think a lot of us in the modern world, you said before this interview, you kind of live in two worlds or in between worlds. And a lot of us kind of assume that we're just domesticated at this point, or we're just Mm -hmm. the way we are. We're living in the box. We're eating the rat chow. (laughs) You know, this is our lives. But as soon as we give ourselves a little taste of Earth Gym, for instance, or eating ancestral foods, or even just sitting down saying thanks to the person who raised your food, meeting your farmer, shaking their hand, looking at them in the eye, you start to approach all this a little bit differently. And it seems to it turns something on in you where it's yeah. like, I remember, right? Like yeah. your spirit remembers almost to get all woo woo. <laughs> Absolutely. And again, you know, with indigenous people, these concepts have been, you know, ubiquitous as recently as 200 years ago in our cultures. Uh, for non-indigenous cultures a little bit longer ago, but nonetheless at one time were ubiquitous, right? So just acknowledging that and really getting back to your roots. It's very empowering and and it's, it's healthy for you. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. you can, uh, I, I think especially now, there's starting to be a community around that. And that's one of the beautiful things about what you're doing is it's not just like you have a website and you're like showing a bunch of abs and you're like, this is going to fix all your problems. It's like, let's reconnect with who we are as humans and mm-hmm. let's try to heal the world. And that's that's a massive difference between what you see today and the popular mainstream diet and fitness industry. Right. You know, I would also just like to point out that, you know, sometimes people don't realize that indigenous people are not only something from the past and they're not only something that you find in the Amazon living totally different lifestyles from Western people. Many of us are like me. We're, we're, we're probably very living very close to where, you know, anybody else lives. Um, we're practicing our traditional cultures, but also living in the modern world and we have much to teach and we have much to, add we have much to contribute to the conversation the wellness conversation so you know you see some folks kind of like getting really amped on like you know oh i'm working out with my tribe today or like i'm doing this like primal meal or like i'm buying this bar at whole foods that was blessed by a shaman (laughs) but then they're not realizing that they live literally within like 20 miles of an indian reservation and they don't know anything about the tribe that's right there and they never ask them any questions so i i think just as a result of many different things that have happened throughout history indigenous people have been looked at as more primitive or as less scientific or um not as knowledgeable as those around us but in my mind it's just maybe a different type of science um sure you know, it's a different type of a worldview. And obviously, some of the things that we were doing were working, uh, almost everything that we were doing is working really, really well until it was like very heavily disrupted. So sure. we're just trying to get that back. And, you know, we want to share that with other people. Um, embracing some of these indigenous concepts of health and wellness is a perfect way for people to engage in indigenous culture without appropriating our culture, because that's another thing that we see, right? We see people like, it's really trendy to like go to Coachella and wear a headdress or something, you know, (laughs) everybody wants to be native until it's time to actually be native. Like, come on guys. Like, you know, this is a respectful way of, of engaging with us, with our culture, you know, engaging through the means of traditional foods and wellness and understanding to respect the earth and do the earth gym and all that kind of stuff. It's, 
totally cool. And we're welcome to anybody who's interested in, in learning these concepts. So cool. I love it. And it's you're making such wonderful inroads between those two worlds, as you described it. And and I love the work that you're doing. I can't believe it, but we're just about out of time. But before we go, could you please tell folks uh, what you're working on next and where they can find you? Okay. Well, you can always find us at welfareculture.com or on any of our social media channels. We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. And what are we working on next? Wow, we're just continually revamping the website. We are. Uh, we just did a, an event with Nike N7 and we're gonna kind of continue that collaboration. Um, and we'll just be traveling the world doing workshops and, and you know maybe we'll be at a reservation near you one of these days. Awesome. I can't wait. And I would love to check that out. So maybe play that that uh, Buffalo Scrotum game, the double ball. Yeah, you would love it. You got to come out one time. You would love it. <laughs> All right. We'll do it soon. Chelsea, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. Hey, this is Abel, and I have a quick question for you. Do you want to get in the best shape of your life without giving up your favorite foods? Don't miss your opportunity to get the new Fat-Burning Chef e-cookbook featuring more than 200 delicious recipes from the top paleo chefs in the world. You can get it now for a huge discount at fatburningchef.com. You can type it in from any device. Keep on listening for the details. Meet Jane. Jane knows she's supposed to eat right. But it's been one heck of a long day and she's short on time to cook a healthy, delicious dinner. Jane knows she can get lean by choking down reheated chicken breast and steamed broccoli six times a day for the next three months. But that doesn't sound like very much fun. Fortunately, Jane's in luck because her friend just sent her a collection of over 150 quick and easy recipes that just so happen to keep the pounds off. It's called the Fat-Burning Chef. And through the magic of the interwebs, this handy, interactive, digital cookbook beams straight to you instantly. And since it lives on your iPhone, iPad, Droid, computer, or other gizmo, you'll never be without quick and easy fat-burning meals. But it's not just about mouth-watering recipes. We want to change the world with real food. When you grab the Fat-Burning Chef, you get another copy as a free gift to share with your friends and family. So if you're short on time and want to know what's for dinner tonight, head on over to fatburningchef.com and we'll fix you right up. Bon appetit, Jane. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Fat Burning Man. If you liked it, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, the podcast app, or wherever else you might be listening to or watching this show. Got a second? Please leave me a quick review on iTunes. I always love hearing from you, and if you think someone else might like and benefit from this free show, please take a second to share it with a friend or with a family member. You can get in touch with me on Twitter at FatBurnMan, and Facebook by typing in Abel James or FatBurningMan. Drop me a line anytime. Did you know that I've recorded over 150 episodes of Fat Burning Man, winning four awards in independent media and hitting number one in more than eight countries? And here's some more good news. You can download and listen to every single episode for free. All you have to do is type in fatburningman.com. I'll give you a second to type it in, fatburningman.com. And you'll get all the show notes in video and audio versions for all the past episodes of Fat Burning Man. 
Better yet, enter your best email at fatburningman.com, sign up for my newsletter, and I'll even send you a quick start guide to start burning fat right now and a few of our ridiculously tasty recipes as a special thanks for signing up. Once again, just go to fatburningman.com right now, enter your best email to get your free fat burning download straight to your inbox and make sure that you never miss a show again. This is Abel James signing off. Thanks so much for listening and have a great week. And that's due to the fact that it is, like you keep saying, it is a tea vinegar, essentially is what it is. But where most vinegars are diluted to a 5 to 6%, 8% acetic acid solution, kombucha is really half a percent to a percent.